Welcome to the Wellcast. Life is messy. We're here to help you sort it out. Welcome back to another episode of the Wellcast. I am Jordan Hogue. I'm here with Mike Sarasoni. Mike, today yes. we are talking about orphan care. Yes, we are. You are an orphan. I'm not. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, in a way I am, and <laughs> I have been adopted by God. I just assumed uh, you, Jesus. that's why you were passionate about this. Why are you passionate then? <laughs> Man, I think, as I think through outreach uh, at our church, I think of the incredible opportunity that orphan care presents as an opportunity for our church to play a role in sharing the love of Christ with a, a population that that desperately needs it and probably doesn't feel that love very often. Mm-hmm. And as I think through all of the all the cultural issues that we see in our day, like human trafficking, racial issues that we have, educational problems, homelessness, and the list goes on and on mm-hmm. and on. All of those they can't be solved by foster care. Mm-hmm. But foster care and adoption, orphan care really does have an impact on every single important cultural issue that we face today. And and I, I want our church to have a part in, in being the solution to mm-hmm. all of those problems. And so when I look through those problems, I'm like, well, let, let's get involved in orphan care. Let's yeah. give orphans an opportunity to come into a loving family who can teach them the gospel, who can show them the gospel, and who can walk with them through all the trials and the hardship that they're, that they're coming into their family with. And so I can't help but be passionate about this. Say what you want about our theology, but do not the, deny the works of our hands. Yeah. And I think this is a very tangible way for us to say, hey, the gospel means that God gave up everything for us. Yeah. And we're going to give up pieces of our life, if not our whole life, to our home for these kids. And if we are to model ourselves after God, God is the ultimate adoptive parent, right? Mm -hmm. He adopted all of us into his family. He made us sons and daughters when we rejected him. Mm -hmm. We were lost, yeah. And so now we bring that to bear on our lives as as we live in the image of God and we we mirror Christ into our our community. Mm -hmm. It's a picture of God's love and it's just a practical way to care and love for the kids who just don't have that, right? Yeah. I, I had a professor in seminary who he... Somebody said the word or the term foundling or something like that. And he's like, do you know where that comes from? And he said that in Roman culture, it was very common that if, you know, maybe you didn't get a boy or you got a girl or your child was deformed or something that you didn't like about it, right? They would literally just, they would kill their kids by leaving them out for exposure. Yeah, they do that in China even today. And Christians were known as the ones who had who looked daily for the foundlings. Yeah. They would walk around the cities in the Roman Empire, pick up these children and raise them as their own. Mm. We have thousands of years of tradition of taking care of the orphans, yeah. taking care of the lost, the wanderer, and those who don't have others to take care of them. And we're called to that as our neighbors, right? Yeah, Jesus tells us that we're to, to care for orphans and widows. And so this is one expression of our Christian faith. And I would, I would ask the question, Jordan, to Christians, if not us, who? Mm-hmm. If, if we don't do it, then who will? 
And who's going to provide them with a home that's going to share the gospel with them and show them a greater hope than they've ever known before? And so mm-hmm. I just my hope is that not just that everybody would take in kids, but everyone listening to this yeah. would know that they can play a role in this. And I think that's what the conversation with the Venegases really brings out. So in this cultural moment, we get the opportunity to put on display the, just the peculiarity of God's love in adoption and fostering and, and supporting the people who do. Yeah. So we hope that you guys enjoy our conversation with the Venegases. We are here with Chris and Bree Venegas, and so grateful for you guys joining the podcast this episode. And we're gonna we're gonna be talking about your foster care and adoption journey. Such a beautiful expression of the gospel. Why don't you, you tell us a little bit uh, about your story? To introduce us to your kids and kind of the process that it went as you discerned whether or not this was for you. Yeah, most definitely. To start off, our foster and adoptive journey was, I think, very much not that at all. It was more just, we're looking to start a family. And so what did that look like? And then that led into fostering solely. And then before you know it, it becomes this road that just keeps moving forward as God's working in your heart and opens up, you know, just kind of new ideas that you never thought about before, lays, you know, burdens on your heart. It was just kind of fun to see that all work through. But well, yeah. why don't you map out from yeah. what, let's start a family to yep. hey mm-hmm. let's foster? Yeah, we went through about a year and a half of infertility, mm. and got through a month's worth of intervention, I guess. And it's a good word for it. <laughs> Which, when you tell people that, also another thing is, oh, okay, so you couldn't have kids biologically. So, as a backup plan, you decided mm-hmm. that you're going to now, you know, adopt or foster, like kind of replace your biological children with someone else's children, which is obviously not the truth. And unpack that. Yeah. So, I was fully on board to like give it a, a good try with seeing a doctor and, and going through that process. But we went through a month and Chris was like, we need, we need to stop. We need to pause because at that point we had been going for a year and a half. And he was like, this is just, this is a lot. And my like hyped up hormonal brain heard, I don't want kids. So I freaked Mm -hmm. out a little bit, Mm -hmm. but it was God's wisdom that spoke through Chris at that moment because it was only a few days later that I, if I have ever heard God in my life, I was washing dishes and it was like, you, you need to foster children. Like you need to foster and adopt. Mm. I kind of sat on it for two weeks praying. I was like, are you sure? Not knowing that I was also sitting on a very similar conversation because I, I'd always felt that adoption would have some part in our family story, mm-hmm. but it never talked to Brie about this ever through dating, you know, engagement, you know, years of being married at this point, never once had brought up adoption, but it always felt it kind of on my heart. And so part of us starting that family, you know, journey, year and a half of infertility, all that, just sitting on that a little bit, but thinking, I don't know, maybe this, like this conversation has gone by too long without it happening. And so I can't bring this up. 
but then definitely stopping treatment and just hitting a little bit of a pause and a reset. And I think letting God work in my heart, in her heart, and just us slowing down in that pause, we were able to actually really hear that voice, which was great. So it's not yeah. it's not like you guys got to the end of your ropes no. and and this was the last mm-hmm. option that you had to have a family. You actually spent time discerning what the Lord was impressing on your heart. I mean, when you talk about the Lord you know, spoke to me, I know he didn't audibly like open up the skies, but he impressed on your heart this desire to really reach out and and enlarge your family and bless kids who needed a good godly What was your guys' experience with fostering and stuff before this? I grew up with adopted cousins. They were younger than me. My first cousin was adopted at, I think I was eight, and she was private. It was a private adopption, infant adoption. So you guys were like around it in different Uh ways growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had another cousin that came when I was 12. And then my parents were always involved in youth ministry. They were always bringing kids who needed extra care, extra attention into our home to do life with us. Not Mm -hmm. that they lived there, but there was a boy down the street. He didn't have a dad. And so my dad taught him how to do chores around the house and showed him how to fix things. And he was regularly coming to dinners on Saturday night and seeing what a family looks like at dinner time and mm-hmm. how to do um, man stuff. Yeah. Man stuff. Yeah. My dad was involved with Valley Teen Ranch and the boys home there. Mm-hmm. And so I always saw that growing up. Mm-hmm. It was very natural for my parents and they still do that. They still bring families and and um, people who just need extra care, a little bit of mentorship, yeah. you know, constantly bringing them into our home and exposing them to our family. Yeah. But I love your parents' story too. Yeah, I do, I do recall. So growing up when I was younger, I mean, I had to have been like four or five years old. Our neighbors next door to us, it was a single parent home. It was, it was a mother. Mm-hmm. And, and she was dealing with a situation of uh, a few kids from a few different relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there there was a lot of, there was just a lot going on, yeah. you know, that, that brought them into that situation and, and her, you know, having to take care of these kids and just growing up and probably not being really aware of it as a kid, but looking back years later and remembering how many times my mom would go next door and watch the kids so she could go grocery shopping, mm-hmm. um, you know, so the mom could go grocery shopping or or yeah. even just take a nap or like watch the kids so she could go to work. My dad, you know, uh, we would just mow the lawn, you know, and there wasn't really a divider between the two yards. He would just kind of cross over and go mow the lawn next door and then go put the mower away. And it's like, they didn't have to worry how about you do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just how you well, do it. Well, and if there was a boyfriend and mm-hmm. arguments and yes. things were getting a little heated, like the mom was totally comfortable sending her kids over to his his family's house because yeah. she knew they'd be safe over there. Yeah. So your families have a history of just kind of welcoming the wanderer or the mm-hmm. people who mm-hmm. feel like they're displaced in some ways. Yeah. And yeah. So then why don't you tell us, like, you know, you guys both at some point have to have a conversation, right? Yes. And how did that happen? Yeah. I, I think I brought it up after church. Mm. Um, one, man, whatever the message was, it was like, you need to go talk to somebody. I, I can't remember what it was, but um, we sat down and I've nev- we have never been on this, 
on as much of the same page. It was like we had been talking about this our entire relationship. Yeah, because the Lord's been doing things in both of your lives individually. And then he brings you to this moment where like he what he's been doing in each of you kind of comes together to form this vision for your family. Yeah, it was like and everything we said, I would start a sentence and he would finish. He would start a sentence. I would finish. And it was like, yeah, okay. Well, we could do private infant or we could foster adopt. Well, let's foster adopt because there's not as many families who do that. Okay, let's do that. We come from, you know, families with siblings and that's really important to us. So we have a totally empty home right now. We can take siblings. Yeah, let's take siblings. Yeah. It was the easiest conversation I think we've ever had. It really, yeah, it really was. And it was just amazing how quickly it moved from you know, this, man, like, God, how are we going to start a family here? We know that you've put this on our heart and, and just all of that, just emotional stress that goes along with it to then finding this peace, finding, you know, the silence and hearing God's voice to say, I have a family for you. And pretty early on, knowing that it was a family as in multiple children. So Mm. we have four kids that have all been fostered and adopted but three of those kids, they're all complete, like 100% blood siblings. Mm. And we fostered all three of them at the same time as a sibling set and adopted them all in, in you know, kind of one fell swoop. Yeah. So, but we had, but going so back Insta a step. Family. Going, yeah. But going back a step, we had, so we had that conversation in September of 2013. Yes. And then we immediately, we... Uh, connected with City Without Orphans. We did their one-on-one class. We found the agency we wanted to go to and got all signed up by December. We were looking for kids January of 2014, and we got placement of our kids in June of 2014, which is just that that doesn't happen. Yeah, the Lord just opened up those doors. So from the time I knew that I heard God calling us to this to the time we got our kids, it was nine months. Wow. Mm. Almost like a pregnancy period. (laughs) Is that how long it takes? I don't... Paper pregnant. (laughs) That that is extremely quick it's an it's very unusual so how does a family and that was the three kids initially that was the three so So how do i mean overnight uh, yeah you guys go to three kids what are the age great yeah so we had twin not even two-year-olds they were 21 months yeah oh my and then a a four-month-old sounds easy it's, yeah, it was. <laughs> if you want, if you want God, you know, to like really show up and and be like, no, I I know what I'm talking about. You need to trust me on this. You kind of, you know, not recommend that you do this, but like, I think we kind of played Gideon a little bit, you know, like putting the fleece out and being mm-hmm. like, okay, God, so you know, if it's like, if it's wet on this side, oh, but on that, yeah. and so. We knew going into this that we really cared about family units. You know, we didn't want to break up siblings if at all possible, but we we had no kids. So we're like, we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. We want to do this. We have a heart for it, but this might just be too crazy. So our idea always was a brother and a sister or two sisters or brother, brother kind of a thing, but like two kids, you know, it's kind of what we're thinking. So of course we're talking, you know, with our adoption agency and they ask, well, would you be open to maybe like a larger sibling set, like three kids or more? We're like, well, I don't know. Maybe. maybe." And they're like, okay, well, what does that mean? We're like, well, it would just have to be so specific. Having never been a parent before, we see in our mind that it would be extremely difficult 
to bring in three, three different age groups mm-hmm. and be dealing with possibly three different you know school grades or whatever it is. So, I mean, it would have to be something like uh, a, a set of twins and like and a an like, like like an infant baby or something like that. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, no, funny. you say that. Oh, that's we, so interesting. We told our social worker that, and it was only a week or two later that we got mm, like we the got child available for our yeah. kids. For wow. I couldn't. I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our, our our social worker called us. She's like, "You will never believe never what believe. is in uh. your email right now." Mm-hmm. And then I looked and I called Chris. I was like, "Babe, you will never believe what exactly is in our, what your email had. right now." Yeah. So I think I mean obviously that's beautiful. And but I think there's sort of like the uh, process of adoption, but yeah. then there's sort of like you know the theology of adoption that we all have to wrestle with as Christians, which is, hey, we're all adopted in Christ. Every single person who's in Christ is adopted. So adoption just is a part of our DNA. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how does that affect your guys' view of in times of hardship, in difficulty, or even just the preparation for this process? Did that come into play at all in your understanding of why you wanted to do this? You know, I think that came later. I think it kind of came later because we were kind of exposed to a, kind of a culture of this anyway growing up. Mm-hmm. It was it was kind of already just in us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only on looking back at our story that we find the theology in it. And we've kind of done more mm-hmm. digging. But that's yeah. basically as far as it went. It was like, no, we want to start a family. There's kids that that's great. We yeah. don't have kids. There's kids out there that don't have parents. Mm-hmm. So sounds like a good match. That sounds like a good match. Yeah. yeah. But it definitely, I mean, going through this process helps you see, you know, the heart, uh, you know, I, that God has on a very tiny, tiny scale for all of us. Because, you know, some of these situations that you're dealing with, you know, in, you know, in the fostering system, when you're looking to adopt that way, these are some very difficult situations. It's mm-hmm. not always an easy thing. And even sometimes, you know, the hearts of these children, they're so, they're so hurt and, 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 and in a ways closed off. And being a parent, um, and I, I think specifically of our, our two older children, we had some, you know, we had some time where they really didn't bond well with Brie for mm-hmm. quite a long time. And that's very hard as a parent that loves this child, that cares for them so deeply, and for them to just be closed off because of whatever the pain or situation that it is that isn't allowing them to get close. And just thinking about all those times that in our lives where we're just closing ourselves off to God and he doesn't stop loving us. And, you know, it's, it's, it would be so easy to just say like, well, that's fine. You don't want to have anything to do with me. So then I won't have anything to do with you, but God doesn't do that. And so it was a really, it was a really big stretching exercise for, I think us to not give up on some of these relationships, you know, with, with kids that we fostered and I think you know, that, with our own kids. That kind of reads my next question is like, you know, somebody might be listening to this and be like, well, you guys are special. Like I'm not yeah. the, you know, yeah. are you guys special? No. Like Oh gosh, no. <laughs> not at all. What makes you able to <laughs> You know what? Honestly, back to your other question, what this has taught me about the gospel is how much I am a sinner. Because 
I grew up in the church. I thought I was a pretty good person. But when you have to work through, you know, a child rejecting you and pushing away from you, when you know what they need is a hug, when you know what they need is, you know, um, attention and playtime and, um, and you just, like Chris was saying, like you just want to, well, fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I've, I'm just continually broken by my immediate reaction to these hard situations is like real bad. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, anger, frustration, wanting to give up, wanting to go away and um, recognizing that God's love is so perfect and he doesn't do that. And this has nothing to do with you know, Chris and I, I mean, we got into it because we wanted kids, but there is an aspect of like, oh, we're helping. Yeah. We're helping this situation. We got into it. And it's like, oh, no, we're not helping. In fact, I've, God's done more work in us yeah. than he's done anything for our kids, like than what we have done for our kids. Mm-hmm. We we provided a home. That's that's what we've done. Well, I love I love what I hear is that God resources what He calls, yeah. and that fostering and adopting is a clear call. But that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be no. prepared. You just have to be willing to be used by God and called by God. It's not yeah. for everyone, no. but it is for some. Now, you guys are leading our brand new orphan care outreach team, and. I'm really excited for what the Lord is going to do. Uh, the The goal of that team is is twofold. First, to share Jesus with kids in the system, their birth families, and social workers. And then secondly, we want to care for those who, like you guys, have stepped up and said, I want to share the love of Jesus through opening up my home. And so I'm just curious, why? Like, why, why did you guys step up? Why is this a passion of yours? Why do you want to see... Uh, kids reached for the gospel through orphan care outreach. Mm. You know, we're really living in a in a post Christian society, yeah. And there is more and more areas in our in our society that are totally closed off, and it's just not allowed. You're immediately shut down, and so. If you're trying to, you know, evangelize, there, our, our options are extremely limited. And, and there's so much, you know, baggage around Christian and Christianity and in our culture. Um, but there, there's such a need here that I think this is where if the church can really dive in and get involved in this area, I think the harvest is plenty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just need, we need workers mm. real bad. Like this is the mission field in America. Mm. Um, I've talked to, you know, foster parents who they wanted to be missionaries and then realized the need in foster care and decided to, to get into foster care. That's their mission field. That's their yeah. mission field. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is a mission field. Yeah. yeah explain you know? to us some of that need if people don't don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's the obvious, you know, needs. There are going to be those people that are going to be called to be foster parents. 
um, whether that be you know long-term placements, short-term placements, um, even people that can do what's called respite care and just literally watching a child for a short amount of time so that way the foster parents can go do their grocery shopping, have a mm-hmm. date night, get that breather, um, but just be another stable you know, um, kind of adult in this child's life. Like community of support. Yeah, yeah, yeah community support um, to much you know more practical things as calling up these foster parents, you know, when they get a placement and just letting them know, hey, we're thinking about you. Like, and we heard that you got a placement and whatever you need, just give us a call. We're here. We're thinking about you. Bringing by meals, like a meal train. You know, we've, we've talked about this, you know, it's so common for a couple to get pregnant you know, the wife, you know, has the child and there's just meals showing up on the doorstep. There's a lot, I mean, most people in the fostering community don't have that, Mm. but you, if this is your first placement, you have no kids and suddenly you have a child in your home and there's no support net there. Mm -hmm. And so just even a hot meal something yeah. as simple and you're like i don't know that. what kind of snacks they want right you know like what do we you know what kind of bed they want or right what you, yeah and that helps open that door to have those deeper heartfelt mm. conversations because i'm not going to be able to come in because this this could be a believing couple that is you know from the church that has decided that they want to foster this could be a non-believing couple that found a placement and and when we're helping support them what better way to bring a hot meal to them to show just your heart and your love for them as a mm-hmm. family to be able to get into those deeper conversations of talking about Christ's love. I'm doing this because Christ first loved me and therefore I'm turning this to you. And I, I think God's moving, obviously, I mean, I'm going to say something that's like stupid. You're going to go, of course, uh, I think God's moving at the right time. And yeah. of course he does. His timing's perfect. But Bree. ABC 30 just released a, mm. uh, a story. Why don't you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, there's been a lot of issues in the, uh, you know, in the foster care CPS system. And, you know, when you talk to a foster parent, they're going to say, you know, the system's broken, the mm-hmm. system's broken. And there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of, you know, just very tired workers. There's so many kids and there's so few workers. There's the turnover rate is unreal on social workers, especially in the county. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that being said, there aren't families. There aren't foster families. The biggest need right now are people who are willing to be foster families, not foster adopt. Um, agencies are packed to the gills with families who are like, I will adopt a child, but I will not take in a child temporary only to give them back to their families. Um, and so there are just a lot of, and, but that's, that's the majority of the kids coming in the system because the system is created to reconcile families, Mm -hmm. broken families, bringing them together. And there's just not, and because, but that's a, that's a hard ask. Yeah. And so there's too many kids. There's not enough families. And so the harder to place kids, which are 
usually teens, who are acting out behaviorally because they're teens. Oh, and because they've experienced things that we can't imagine. A lot of trauma. And, um, you know, there's not a place for them. And so they are sleeping on the floors in the offices downtown. And they can't separate them necessarily by gender. They can't separate them by behaviors. So you have somebody who has no behaviors sleeping on a yoga mat next to somebody who has intense mental health issues. Mm. And you have stressed out social workers. There aren't bathrooms. Where do you go to the bathroom? Where do you shower? There aren't places like the the social workers are bringing in fast food for every meal, maybe, or some are bringing in from their uh, from their house themselves. Well, that's a lot of stress. The social workers don't feel safe. The kids don't feel safe. They've been removed from maybe a very bad situation, but at least a bad situation they know. Now they're in a really bad situation that they don't know. That is worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't think that it's even so much a matter of there isn't these foster families, but I think there are families out there that just have not said yes to step up because of a bit of that fear of the unknown or that they don't have that support yet. And so the biggest thing, you know, for the church right now and and hopefully with this outreach is I want to encourage people to just pray and to ask God, do you have a place for me to be one of these foster families? Mm -hmm. Or do you have a place for me to support one of these foster families that you're working in their heart just in the same way that he was working in Bree's heart and my heart individually, and we came together. Yeah. Can we be one of those people that's going to support one of those families? And so families, if you have this on your heart, step out and go find people that have a heart to, you know, be foster parents. If you have that heart for support and vice versa, and you got to start having that community in those conversations and I think the Lord is going to move in amazing ways. And that's the point of the outreach. The point of the outreach is to create, um, it to show people involvement levels. Sure. So we want to create clear levels of involvement. So maybe at the top you have, you know, foster care and adoption families, but at the bottom, you know, you have people who want to give a gift card. That's important. Mm-hmm. That's really important because bringing in a placement is really expensive. Chris and I dropped hundreds of dollars each time we brought in a new kid because usually they don't come with clothes. Usually they don't come with bottles. Usually they don't come with toys, you know, and so you're stocking a whole new kid every time. So gift cards, meals, mm. um, and like Chris said, re- you know, res- some kind of babysitting or respite care. Yeah. Um, well, there's like the front lines and then those that support mm-hmm. the front lines, exactly. right? And each one has its role in the body. And I yeah. I love what God's doing here because if you, you can name uh, an issue in our society and I w- would be hard pressed to, to not easily explain how foster care mm-hmm. from a loving home can improve those situations, whether it's mm-hmm. education or it's human trafficking or you know, the list goes on, homelessness. This goes on and on. And so I'm excited what God's doing. Grateful for you guys and your team leading it. And uh, we're grateful for you guys being with us here today. Thanks for coming. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Wellcast. As always, don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about us. 
For more information about The Well Community Church, visit thewellcommunity.org.